Welcome to Streamed and Screened, the podcast about movies and TV shows and such from Lee Enterprises, hosted by Bruce Miller, longtime entertainment reporter and the current editor of the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Bruce. How is my Chris? Good? Your Chris is doing just fine. All right, then we're good. Normally, I introduce myself, but now Bruce has introduced me. I'm Chris Lay. I am the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises, big movie nerd. And um, also we have Jared McNett, who is a reporter for the Sioux City Journal, formerly the Globe Gazette, also a podcaster in his own right, working with the On Iowa Politics podcast. Love links to all that, uh, well as all the stuff that we talk about in the show notes. So make sure you check those out and subscribe and blah, blah, blah. Normally I say that at the end, but we're saying it up top this time. No, 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 no. Another way to say no would be nope. So let's talk. I mean, we have to start the new Jordan Peele film, Nope, which came out in theaters. We, we did a preview of it last week. Now we've all seen it. And I'll let you guys take it from here. But the only thing that I will say is I, I think this is maybe one of the most thought provoking, cannot get it out of my out of my brain movies that I've seen so far this year. But uh, Bruce, what are you? Uh, what, what was your takeaway leaving the theater? I think you could take that first hour and just lop it off because so much of that stuff is just information for movie nerds who want to try and latch on to something that might be in that little museum room. There's a museum room that happens to reference a TV show that had a monkey in it. And I'm sure that somebody at some university somewhere is looking in that room and going, oh my God, this means this, or this means that. And it's just, it's filler until you get to the arrival of the aliens in my mind. I will say before we get any further, we will keep this spoiler free uh, for any big stuff. You know, aliens are coming. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, not to, to split hairs too much, but we don't know anything about it. Like by the end of the movie, like that, that seems like it's completely beside the point. I think you don't know any anything more coming out than you did going in. Yeah, it's a little long in the tooth. Uh, and there's definitely like a front end and a back end of the movie. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the, all the little details that are layered into that, into that first chunk, but it's, it's still, yeah, it's got, it's got, it's a little shaggy. Jared, what do you think? Well, it's funny. We're talking about, I guess, littler things first, because one of the things that like perfectly crystallized for me when I was watching Nope is that Jordan Peele is really good at incorporating these like weird little traumatizing sorts of details like we mentioned a monkey and i don't want to get too much more into the monkey stuff other than to say a weird little detail with that that just like heightens the like total horror is the sound of balloons popping over and over again you hear balloons popping and that's just a very small little thing but it's imbued with so much just like terror and meaning and that that was something that was impressive to me and then even a smaller one there's like a very big traumatic set piece that happens out in the desert at one point. Um, it's kind of the first big set piece of its kind. And then you just see these empty icy cups that are like strewn all about this like dusty area. And I, I just thought that stuff like that and the balloons popping are just these like perfect little juxtapositions that are, are menacing, but they're never too cute or too clever 
for their own good. I, I didn't think. And like watching Nope in particular finally crystallized that to me, what Jordan Peele in particular, he's good at a lot. And I think that might be the thing he's best at though, is, is that. Between the set pieces and the images. I mean, there's at least four or five moments in this film that I feel like are iconic as good or bad as that is, you know, all the stuff that, that goes on at the house is, is pretty, pretty gnarly. It's hard to talk about like w- without spoiling things, but it's also, I don't know what's to spoil. Cause there's so much that's really like so many of the things that you would think of that are spoilers. Uh, maybe like the movie never gives you a straight answer on any of them. Nope. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a UFO, but it's a, I see what you did, by the way, but um, there, there's no guarantee that this thing is from space. Anyway, I don't want to like quibble too much because it seems again, like it's, it's very much beside the point. It's, it's all about the, the main characters, Kaluuya and, uh, and Kiki Palmer. Kiki. Yeah. Their brother and sister. And their father played by Keith David. It's kind of a throwback to John Carpenter. Oh, they live. They live, and he was also in. He was also in the thing. Yes, and if you look, I believe there's a poster in one of the rooms that does help you make that connection. Mm-hmm. The posters in in some of the rooms that that are in there. Some of this is in the trailer, but it's the 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 family that runs the the ranch. They are descendants, uh, according to their own story, from the the original jockey who was in the first film. The horse in motion. Yes. Yep. So if you believe the lore of the, the, that the film is setting out, that this is a, a ranch that has been, you know, providing horses for, for Hollywood for generations. And some of the posters that are up on the wall are for, you know, Sidney Poitier starring and directed Westerns that have, I think one of them's actually coming out as a criterion release in the next few months, but. Yeah. Bucking the preacher is that one. Yep. And so there's a lot of, I mean, it's the same thing going back to us where you can look at the, in the opening scene of of us, uh, the, you know, copy of Chud that's down there (laughs) and, you know, the other little visual cues and stuff, the little Easter eggs. There's a lot of that stuff that kind of, again, it's a film nerd thing where you can play with it. But what I enjoyed was, you know, how we always have problems with internet, you know, how things kind of just go down and you don't even know what is going on. The film offers an explanation for that, (laughs) which I love because at least then it gives me some reason to blame it on something other than I didn't get the highest Wi-Fi package from my provider. Well, and what I, what I liked about that in particular, Bruce, is that like they didn't explain that with like a lot of exposition, like the movie explains that kind of stuff by the characters learning on their own, which I think helped the movie flow a lot better than like, all right, and now we turn to the scientist character to tell us why all of this is happening. It's always when somebody has to do exposition that a film starts losing it. Yep. Because then it's like, oh God, this is to fill us in because they want to jump to some place. But when each person is like, well, wait a minute, my, my phone doesn't work or the lights are going out or I can't run my motorcycle or what is this? And then it, it gels. And that was another one of the, the first half that, that you're, that you were talking about earlier that, that you said could have been lopped off. There really are so many crucial little details 
that, that are that are delivered in there and it is it, it is uh a little bit busy but the gestures and looks and expressions that 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 convey a whole lot in in building the characters to where the relationships coming together and falling apart uh towards the end have that much more weight because of that something i really loved in terms of uh the performances again this is maybe a kind of a little thing but it worked really well it's just how like haggard and tired daniel kaluuya's character is throughout the entire movie like he just looks like so beaten down and so tired and like i thought that was a a really interesting choice for like the lead of the movie to just be that tired and and out of it one of the characters i liked was the the best buy store kind of guy yep I thought he was very good. I thought he was lots of fun. And some of the things he does later in the film, you go, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. No, he was incredibly funny. Like at one point he complains about like an ex-girlfriend that left him and is on a CW show. And then he starts pitching a fit about CW. That had me and my girlfriend like cackling in the movie theater with how ridiculous that was. Yeah, the good references to other things that you can relate to where you go, I think I'm on the same page as this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure there's a Spielberg homage in part of this. If you started to look at it and you think, oh, okay, I see what he's doing. I know what he's up to. But it also has its own little world. Yep. That whole amusement park kind of Western town. I wanted to go through that more. I wanted to see more of what that was. I wish they had spent more time there because. There are things I think I could pick up on. In that Western town, which was very much just its own little world unto itself, like there was stuff I was noticing left and right there, including for some reason they have uh, cactus flavored like ices. I, I was not aware that that was a flavor until this movie. Yeah, I, I would have. So <laughs> yeah, I would not have minded spending more time there either. Yeah. And then how they come back to it and use it, I think is brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got some quibbling little things with it, but it's a movie that seems like the the ideas carry carry me over any of the the smaller logistical kind of things that that I that I bump up against. And it's also it's something that I'm just I'm going to see it again tonight. Mm-hmm. And knowing how everything unfolds uh, and certain scenes play out, I'm I'm really excited to be able to just focus on the the smaller details the production design the sound design all of that so and i also love that it is sort of a, a love letter to, to imax which and again i mean one of the uh one of the characters is a uh, director of photography and he has a a hand cranked imax camera that i don't know if you've ever seen any any film made on like homemade hand crank cameras like they look garbage so i'm really intrigued at, at how how that worked much less using some kind of imax film and this it was it was the whole movie was shot on imax by one of the guys who uh, i can't think of his name off the top of my head point uh van uh Hoytema was the cinematographer yep who's worked uh on uh 19 uh or no dunkirk not not 1917 he's dunkirk yep dunkirk yep yep and he's done like a ton of other uh, interstellar uh he's like christopher nolan's guy chris you mentioned like the some of the bigger stuff i was wondering how well you thought in terms of like communicating some of the bigger stuff the movie did 
of getting into like the particular kind of interest that we have in violence. Like that was definitely a through line of the movie. I thought of again and again, just this way we're drawn to either like participating in violence or just like watching it unfold from like the comfort of our own little uh, world, because that definitely popped up a couple different times, it, it, especially with the, uh, the monkey thing that we talked about earlier. Well, it's the the commodification of it. Yep. I mean, nobody in in the movie ever screams "World Star," but I mean, there is a certain element to that. The, you know, thirsty online fame, and by fame, like an actual you know dollar sign amount. Nobody here necessarily wants to get famous, but there are, or get famous for those things. But it's as long as you can turn a profit off of that fame, or more accurately, in this case, infamy. So. We're saying yep to no. We're saying yep to no. <laughs> That's the headline. Maybe one last little button. Sorry to ruin that as a little button. Number one at the box office this weekend. And like, this is a very niche uh, kind of thing. But among other things is that Nope had the highest opening weekend for an original film, not one based off of pre-existing IP since Jordan Peele's last movie, Us, in 2019. <laughs> so Jordan Peele now has the two most recent highest opening weekends for an original film in recent years. I like it. Yep. Not to make too hard of a transition here, but speaking of original films, I don't think this one is going to end up topping any box office lists, but Bruce, you have seen Vengeance. Yeah, BJ Novak from The Office. If you remember him, he was, I believe, Ryan. He was kind of in the background and he would be the, well, he was the most surprising character because his took a turn, but BJ is a very talented writer and he's written a lot of shows. He was a writer on The Office, but this is so different. He, to me, he seems like he's a Cohen brother. Mm. And that's, I think that's high praise indeed because it starts as a something that you really don't think it is. He's a podcaster in New York. He writes for the New Yorker. He gets his call in the middle of the night from a man who says, your girlfriend has died. You've got to come to the funeral. Well, he doesn't have a girlfriend, but he realizes that it maybe have been somebody that he hooked up with. So he feels kind of guilty that he should go there to this funeral. And in the process, he thinks this would be the greatest material for a podcast because podcasts love to do real life kind of dramas and, and tragedies and whatnot. And so he figures he's going to ask questions of the people to discover who really was responsible for the death of this girl, Abilene. And he goes to this Texas town where basically it seems like nobody lives and meets his family who are all named after other towns. I think there's El Paso and there's Paris. And they are a very quirky bunch. Well, he calls his boss and she says, oh, let's do it, let's do it. But they both think that this is gonna be a bigger piece. It's going to be about the great divide that occurs in our world. And it's why, why are red states against blue states? Why are one race against another race? I mean, they see it as a broader picture thing. And so they get there and he wants to try and fit in. They FedEx him Western clothes. You know, he tries to act like he belongs in this world. And you really realize that it's the typical thing where Easterners come out to the Midwest or the South or wherever and think that they are going to size it up right away. And they don't. And he learns a lot about the people and how they operate. And one of the, the kind of odd characters 
is Ashton Kutcher as a, he has his own studio. He records people. And one of the people he was recording was a woman who died. And, and it's funny because it's, his studio says since 2018. So you think, well, like, would you put that on a building that it's only been going that long? It's very fascinating how all these characters kind of weave in and out and how he wants to, he goes to a rodeo, he goes all over the place. And I then that's kind of as much as I dare set up for you, but it twists and turns so often that you will not, I guarantee you, you will not guess the ending. I mean, I know we've talked about the glut of uh, true crime, obviously, but like in particular, it has been a pretty good stretch of time for like mystery comedies or like whodunit uh, type comedies, you know, with this only murders in the building coming back, you know, maybe stretching out a little bit further, but you got stuff like American Vandal as well, which I would love to see come back at some point. It's been a, a good uh, era for, uh, for mystery comedy type stuff. I think it'll do well. And I really think it'll set him up as one of those people that you look at as, you know what, he should be a creator just like Jordan Peele. Yeah. He strikes you as he would be a typical East Coaster, you know, where you think that he is kind of the one who would do like something like this. And, oh, yes, I must I must discover what what it is that separates us from these people. And really, he knows these people. He knows these people. He's very good at capturing all those little nuances that you go, aha, I see what you're up to here. I'm just really happy to see someone from Harvard finally doing good, you know, really, really landing on their feet. It was real touch and go for a while, you know. <laughs> yep. It's either that or Saturday Night Live. And if you yeah. don't get that gig, you're kind of on the streets, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> so that's going to be in theaters. It starts Friday and it has a really big cast of people that you recognize, but you may not know their name. Boyd Holbrook being a great example of that. And you've seen him in a jillion things. And yep. then you go, now, where do I know him from? That You do have that pause. And I did have that, let me check this out on my phone during the movie, just to be sure that I wasn't like misidentifying him as somebody else. So yeah, and he's very good. He plays the brother of the uh, girl who's dead. And they have the funeral and they have lots of things, lots of things. In the process of, I guess, reporting out this story, is there any kind of a, you know, self-aware meta critique of podcasting and true crime and gatekeeping of access and ethics of telling these stories? He has a um, relationship with his boss played by Issa Rae, where she, um, oh, this is great stuff. We want more of this stuff. You know, where they're, they're kind of trying to prod the story in a direction. And he says, oh, no, I'm getting great stuff. I'm, I, I don't really need to do that kind of if you will, goosing to get the story. And so he's, uh, he's, he's open to be a victim, but he's also open to victimize. I'm so intrigued by the way that you're phrasing that. And you're, you're definitely, you're clearly dancing around something. Yeah, they could end it in a number of ways. And there are choices that are made. Well, I mean, good for him. It's on my list. It's one of the favorites of the year. Really? Yeah, it really is. It's that kind of surprising. And maybe because we weren't expecting anything from him, you know, really, I mean, you don't know what you're getting. First film, 
it's not like the Jordan Peele um, experience where you go, oh, I, I kind of know what I'm getting and I'm kind of expecting that and I'm assuming this will happen. With this, you have no expectation. I'm glad that, that you dug it because I was already excited and uh, now I'm just that much more excited. I know we talked about Vengeance as being a an original film and we talked about Nope as being an original film, but there is a really interesting adaptation that is coming out soon called Paper Girls. It'll be on Amazon Prime on uh, the 29th. It is based on a comic book series by Brian K. Vaughan, uh, who is a prolific you know, comic writer for Image Comics and Marvel, and he created The Runaways and you know had a string of really great x-men comics and he did why the last man which was adapted into a thing he was a writer producer on some of the later seasons of lost this is an entirely self-contained story it ran for 30 issues by image image comics and that's it so it's nice to know that there is a a finite thing for them to be pulling from but it's about four girls teenage tween uh, age, you know, girls in 1988 who have a paper route and one morning while they're doing the paper route, all of a sudden they get sucked into this time travel situation and interacting with people that are traveling from the future to the past and interacting with their, their future versions of themselves. It's a really unique spin on time travel story stuff. The pitch that I would say that, that I think like while I was reading the comic that I came up with was it's like yellow jackets, but instead of horror, it's like the same vibes of yellow jackets, but in sci-fi because you have like the 1988, you know, cultural elements. And all of a sudden there's these other, you know, 2019 elements that are, that are mixed in. So you're jumping back and forth between those things. And it's also told from a, a female perspective uh, with these stories, but that's not necessarily like the selling point of it, but the comics are really great. And the, the trailer made the show look like they are hewing really close to the comic and the vibe and the, the casting choices they made are really fantastic. Uh, set in Cleveland, you know, I mean, that's, it's got that going for it. Paper girls. I'm looking forward to it. Is this one though, that has portals and all that kind of crap? I hate those. Give me an example of a bad time travel portal movie. Fifth Element. Oh, no. I hate that. I hate all those ones where they can get out of a, a writing problem by just jumping in time. I hate that. No, no, no. This is, there's so many twists and turns and the way that people from the future end up communicating to the people in the past about people that they are at present encountering. I mean, it's, there's all of these layers of a, I don't know, uh, all the, you know, plot twists and, you know, character reveals and you can't trust characters that you're introduced to sound like they know what they're talking about. Jason Manzukis also is in it. One of the only like dude characters, the casting for the show is just really dead on based on the comic. Not that he is only resigned to doing comedic stuff, but with Manzoukas being in there, is there like a comedic tone to some of the, the stretches of the, the comic and the show, do you think? His character in the comic has a certain levity, but mm -hmm. you're still very... So 
I'm about like one third of the way through. So I'm like about like 10 or 12 issues in maybe. And everything that I have read so far was in the trailers. I'm assuming that it's like, let's ballpark and say it'll be like three seasons. And then I'll kind of tell the, the whole arc of it, whatever. And where I'm at right now is I don't know where he's at. I don't know like how, how good or bad or benevolent or whatever. There's, there really is all of this. Like you can't trust the characters once you're, you're meeting them. Let me ask you then about these kinds of things. If you've read it in a another form, if it was a book or a comic book or whatever it might be, are you disappointed when they they stray so they can get more years out of these things and they do other things? Or are you okay with the way they've adapted it? My take on these things, not to necessarily hit on like Marvel stuff again, but movies are good. TV shows are good as far as adaptations, but... I mean, the source material is always there. I can still go back to the source material if an adaptation strays for reasons that are either dollar sign or plot-wise. Because, I mean, there's still a ton of stuff that you're going to have to adapt to make these things work in various ways. I know, you know, The Boys is one where that comic, as a comic, has not aged really well, but the adaptation, the way that they've danced around that and reframed the tone of it is is really effective. And as far as like, you know, this show, the, the special effects requirements aren't necessarily super high, but there's certain elements that, you know, you definitely are going to have to, to twist to, to make them work in a TV show level. As far as just costing, you know, what the production costs are, as well as just things that are going to read accurately or involve the audience on, on the screen. The idea of adaptations having any effect on my love of the original source material is is pretty minimal but and i know that we've talked about this in like the past episodes that we've done about adaptations uh you know two years ago maybe but the best adaptation is one in my mind where it stands apart but also gives you a new insight on that original work i'm thinking 2001 the shining uh, i mean not to necessarily just keep naming <laughs> stanley cooper <laughs> <laughs> you can just keep doing that though clockwork orange sure. like yeah <laughs> barry linden uh yeah adaptations it's an interesting what's the the people that uh turning lead to gold what was the uh alchemists right yes yeah there's a very specific alchemy to it i guess so yeah paper girls and, and vengeance are the two big ones go see nope if you haven't go see nope if you haven't see it again if you have and uh i'll just hand it off to jared to take us out this is a uh, first-person uh, perspective uh, pitch I got for you. Uh, you've recently acquired a, uh, a chimpanzee, and the, the chimpanzee seems a little skittish, a little a little on edge at, at all times. You could push it and, and see how far it'll go in being on edge and, and where that might lead to. Or you could uh, calm the monkey down, calm the chimpanzee down, take it to a local cineplex. That AMC doesn't tell you this, but they will allow you to bring chimpanzees in there's a, just a special rate for that that people might not know about. And you can take the monkey into the theater. Keep saying monkey, chimpanzee into the theater. And uh, you can uh, screen something good at your local Cineplex with your own uh, chimpanzee. Or you and the chimp can just uh, chill on the couch, watch something uh, from the comfort of your own home and uh, stream something good while you uh, chow down on some uh, bananas or maybe some bugs that the chimpanzee fished out of the ground with a stick. Yeah. Stream something good, see something good. No interview this week. We will maybe have 
BJ Novak on at a later date next week, possibly, but not this time around. Go see good movies. Check out the show notes for the episode to find links to where you can see all the movies that we talked about. Subscribe, rate, review, etc. All that stuff. Tell your friends. And for the bonus episode, which we're going to record in just a second, uh, and you'll hear if you are subscribed to the show on your podcast player of choice, we're going to talk about this past weekend, a whole bunch of trailers dropped from San Diego Comic-Con and a bunch of other places as well. And we're going to talk about the ones that are most exciting to us and then also just share a random recommendation. So thank you so much. We'll be back next week. He thinks this would be the greatest material for a podcast. No, 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 no.